Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am here with Eli McCann. Hey, Eli. Hey. Long time no no pod. <laughs> two weeks. Two whole weeks. Was it even two weeks? I don't know. Um. Sure. What have you What have you watched since I last saw you? A bunch of garbage. Great. <laughs> A bunch of garbage. My favorite kind of stuff. Have you been staying up to date on the Chad Daybell, Lori Daybell saga? No, I have not. It bums me out. Me too. And I also had not. I like knew who I knew their names and I knew that there was like a murder mystery, missing children, something depressing going on out of Idaho. Yeah. Well, there was a three part documentary about them was released last week called Doomsday, the Missing Children. On where? Where did you watch this? It was like ID Network or something. I don't even know how oh, I saw it. I just boy. fire sticked it. And okay. Fire stick was like, here you go. It's well produced. It, okay. It's it, so a documentary crew it has has been following the grandparents of one of the missing children since the beginning because it was like such a strange story, and so they kind of wanted to document what was going on. And it's it's disturbing. Chad Daybell is a piece of work. Yeah. He, like, thinks he's God, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah really manipulative, weird. Lori Daybell is nuts. Yeah. Um, it, if you are... I I had kind of wanted the information, but I have not... I've not been willing to, like, read about it. Yeah. And, it's pretty depressing. and there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved. And it just every time I tried to, like, get, like, the one-paragraph summary of it, I got very confused. So it was kind of interesting to finally just sit down and just kind of see the story from beginning to where it is today. Okay. Um, so pretty well produced. If you're interested in that story, I would recommend that you check it out. I watched the film adaptation of the musical Rent. Did you ever see it? It was like 2005 or six when it was released. Okay. So Stephen in at BYU lived in a house with eight other guys, and I think six of them are now out. Okay. <laughs> they were watching Rent all the time. Oh my god! All the <laughs> time. The movie adaptation. Yeah, yeah, and like a few of them had come out to Stephen at the time, and so he knew. But I'd be like, "What's with your roommates?" And he was like, uh, <laughs> "Wait, how did he end up with so many gays?" I don't know. They just all found each other, and and then Stephen got okay, roped in. So he he and one of them were um, freshman roommates. You know when like BYU randomly places you. Yeah. And they like just stayed friends, and then Stephen and he remained friends. But he got a lot of gay friends, and mm-hmm. the the gay one. And so Stephen just kind of ended up living with all of these. Okay, it sounds like my husband's gay. I promise my husband <laughs> is not gay. I Stephen is as Stephen's, I'm telling this story, yeah. people are going to be like, "Oh, no. Meg, no." Stephen <laughs> is very not gay. Uh, he is he is one of the straightest men I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, that that is really funny, though. No, was, I had never seen Rent. I wasn't familiar, familiar with the music except for, like, the one or two kind of key ballads. Yeah. Um, do not care for this. Yeah. Do not care for this musical. It's weird. Like, the Who music. It? I don't know. Some It was, somebody. like, so big at the time. It's all anyone talked about. It was a huge, yeah. And it's like an AIDS musical, right? Yeah, it's like a few of the characters have AIDS in it. And, you know, and I think I, I, I did actually like some of the messaging about that aspect of mm-hmm. it. 
I think its heart is in the right place, but it's just kind of a mess. And the music is weird. And like every once in a while, there's like a rock ballad that I don't care for. 521,600 yeah. minutes. The only time I ever want to hear that song is when they're singing goodbye to Michael Scott in the office. We sang that song at my sixth grade graduation. <laughs> you guys did a Rent song? Yep. <laughs> Did anyone involved know what Rent was about? I don't think they did. I want to see a group of sixth graders sing that song. Oh, so earnest. I think someone was like doing sign language. <laughs> With the spotlight <laughs> yeah. so that it's just yeah. the shadow of the sign language. <laughs> That's amazing. Sixth grade. <laughs> We're going to accomplish so much. You know what else I, watching Rent made me realize is I have a thing where anybody who ever appeared on the television program formerly known as Glee... Ugh. For any amount of time, I dislike them. Sarah like, Jessica I Parker. Cannot, yeah, I cannot get over it. And so Rent has uh, Idina, what's her name? Idina Menzel. Idina Menzel's in Rent. Uh-huh. And the moment she came onto the screen, I was like, oh, I do not like this actress. And then I was like, wait, why? And then I remembered it's because she periodically appeared in Glee. Like, it ruined those people for me. If you think of her as Adele Dazeem, does that help? Adele Dazeem, <laughs> that does help me a lot. <laughs> Um, so I would not recommend the film adaptation of Rent. Okay. I watched Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, I've heard it's awful. Okay. I don't know how to talk about this movie because, for one, people get very upset when you criticize Wonder Woman. And I... especially if you're a man who criticizes Wonder Woman. I, like, said – I made, like, a mild joke about Wonder Woman on Twitter because I was watching it with Skylar and about halfway through Skylar said – some of this is unrealistic. <laughs> and and that just made me laugh so hard because yeah. it's a superhero movie. Yeah. So I tweeted that and somebody was like, oh, sorry that a woman is a superhero. And I'm, and I'm like, that is not at all what I was saying. See, the problem with having as many Twitter followers as you do is you have to, like, be careful. Yeah, it, it, you can't tweet anything. Somebody's mad no matter what. Yeah. So I do not like superhero movies. Yeah. I cannot do them. Um, I watched the first Wonder Woman movie because it was such a big deal. And people were like, yes, even if you don't like superhero superhero movies, you will like this one. And I watched it, and about three quarters of the way through, I was, like, drenched in sweat. The movie theater was so hot, and I was just like, how long is this movie? Get me out of here. And the second one is worse. Okay. Um, except that you and I recently on Hive Mind talked about whatever happened to Kristen Wiig, because yeah. we haven't really seen her. She's in this, and I actually really thought she was pretty good in it. Okay. I can't handle Gal Gadot or Ga- is it Gal Gadot? It depends on who's saying it. I've heard it both ways. I say Gal Gadot, but I might be like overcomplicating it. Maybe. I somebody told me that she says Gadot. Okay. And so that that's threw me. probably right. I kinda can't handle her ever since the Imagine no. video. She is the most beautiful woman yes. who has ever lived on yes. planet Earth. I like watching her in this movie, I was just like, you're you are so pretty that I don't feel like this can be real. It's distracting how beautiful it's she is. It's distracting. Um, but, and, and Kristen Wiig is also very beautiful mm-hmm. in this movie. She's, she looks great, and she's fun. The story is a wreck. It okay. goes on forever. Um, I'm sorry if, if you love it and I'm raining on your parade. Good for you. Have your thing. You know, whatever. Um, and then finally... Uh, I have I talked about last time on Hive Mind that I was listening to the oral history of the Office podcast. Yeah, um, I finished it. It is 
exceptional. So it's done. It's done. Yeah, it's 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 like a tight like eight episode series, okay. and each episode covers kind of a different aspect of it. And he just kind of walks through the history of creating the show from the beginning to end. He interviews everybody who was involved in it. It's really well edited, really well produced. I was like sobbing in the last episode because mm-hmm. it's so touching. They talk about like. Uh, how, you know, different members of the cast and crew were like so like showed up for each other during like times of crisis in each other's lives. Like it, it really is very good. Okay. Don't listen to it if you don't watch The Office because um, you probably won't be interested. But if you have any interest in The Office, like I 100 percent recommend just taking a couple of days and burning through it. I love that The Office is having like a rebirth. Yeah. TikTok and yeah. Gen Z. It was um, last year the most watched thing on any streaming platform. Yeah. Kind of cool. One. Anything else? Um, that's it. What have you been watching? Okay, so a couple movies. We finally, uh, I don't know if you heard the big news, but Roku and HBO Max, uh, I don't, it's not the Roku professionals, but someone somewhere did an agreement so that you can now get HBO Max on Roku, which was huge for us as Roku oh, owners. Yeah. We didn't have access to HBO Max prior, which meant we got to watch a couple of movies. Um, let them all talk. The Meryl Streep one. With Candace Bergen and uh, Lucas Hedges, uh, where they're on the QE2 crossing from New York to London, and mm-hmm. she's an author. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie. It is slow, but great. Really? Well, yeah. It, great cast. It's a great cast. The cast is really fun. You're mm-hmm. mostly just sitting with these people, uh, mm-hmm. and they're fun and weird, and it's a very interesting ending. If you have the time, it's just a... Fun experience. Okay. So let them all talk on HBO Max. Okay. Uh, also watch Downhill with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. Oh, how is it? It is good. My suspicion is that the original, I think, French film is better. better. I haven't seen it uh, because I like to play 1010 on my phone, and I don't want to read subtitles while I'm playing 1010, which okay. is the laziest thing I've ever admitted gotcha. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But I have not watched it yet for that reason. Mm-hmm. Downhill is also kind of slow. I liked it. It didn't get great reviews, but I thought it was a pretty good family drama that's also funny. What? So what is the history of that film? Because I feel like it got a lot of buzz like a year ago, and then I never heard about it well, again. Well, I mean, it was at Sundance, and it was supposed to be this big release. Okay. And, okay. you know. 2020. Here we are. <laughs> So it's on HBO Max. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is good in it, though. Yeah, Will yeah. Ferrell is good in it. Um, the guy who was on The Office, who the Gabe on The Office, oh, is yeah. also in it. He's great okay. in it. Um, pretty small cast. Their kids are central characters. It's I liked it. Okay. So I, it's not like an A+, plus, but I, I was happy to spend an evening with it. It's probably 30 minutes too long. Okay. Uh, we're finally watching The Last Dance. We have half an episode left. And? It is good. Good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I. It's not made for the Meg Walters of the world. The Meg Walters okay. wish they were spending more time on the making of Space Jam than uh, like all the championship games. Uh-huh. But it is a really interesting exploration of a role model and how some people become role models who never actually signed up to become role models. Someone's mm. just good at a thing and we turn them, we put them on a pedestal and expect them to live this perfect life. Oh. When in fact Michael Jordan is a imperfect person who is exceptional at basketball. Uh just yeah. unhuman. Like you yeah. watch these this footage of all these games, it is like watching 
a cheetah run in the wild. Like he just like an a basketball in his hands looks so natural and he just flies. He jumps and he Mm -hmm. flies to the basket. It's like breathtaking. So can you settle the LeBron James debate now? I can't you know, I honestly haven't watched enough LeBron James, but I know LeBron is also spectacular at basketball. I think there's something to be said for being the first who was that good? And mm-hmm. I think that for that reason, Michael Jordan should be the greatest of all time. But is it is, again, I don't know enough. Is it painful to watch the jazz of it all? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. I that You know, the second year in a row when the Chicago Bulls beat the Utah Jazz in the NBA finals, that's when I quit basketball. It was. I like could. I was like, I don't want that. I don't want to experience heart break any more over sports in my life like i'm to out to be a jazz fan is <laughs> it's an exercise it's a, it's a, it's a tough burden yeah. To carry. <laughs> yeah. we get so close so many years and things just fall apart yep. all, all like reliably mm-hmm. um they show that footage of john stockton making the like half court shot that got us into the playoffs jo- and yep Against I, the Seattle so- Supersonics, I think. That might be the happiest memory from my childhood, watching that. I was jumping up and down in my parents' family room, screaming. Yeah. I was wearing all of my jazz jerseys because I thought they were good luck. Yeah. Screaming my head off at 12 years old or whatever. And yeah. Just remarkable. And John Stockton's in the documentary, which is super fun. How has he aged? He looks great. Yeah. He looks like an older John Stockton. Huh. Um, Some of the guys... Michael Jordan does not look good. Really? Yeah, it's kind of hard to watch. And, like, Scottie Pippen doesn't look awesome. Dennis Rodman looks really rough. Mm. Um, but Carl Malone, I think, refused to do it. Why? I don't... Carl Malone's kind of weird. Kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, and I think he's got an ego. And I think the quote was, like, I don't want to do a puff piece on Michael Jordan. Oh, I did hear about that, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. But it's been... It's. I'm glad we've watched it. In my opinion, it's at least two episodes too long. Okay. But, again, I'm not a diehard sports fan. I bet if you are a diehard basketball person, you love every minute of it. And so. you, where are you watching it? It's on Netflix. Okay. So, uh, and then finally, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm going to pull it up so I don't forget the name of it. But did you ever play HQ Trivia? Mm-mm. HQ Trivia like took over my life for a few weeks a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, it was this online trivia game that happened twice a day. So you'd get a notification on your phone and you'd hop on and it was a live game. It was a live trivia game that millions of people would play. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time I won, and the winnings were like $5 because it was split oh. with all these different winners. But yeah. that was like one of the highlights of my life. Yeah. But then it just like fell apart super quick. And so The Ringer did a podcast exploring the rise and fall of it. It's called Boom Bust HQ Trivia, the rise and fall of HQ Trivia. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying I it. I do remember. I did play once on a friend's phone. Yeah, it I, was like a big remember. social, yeah. like mm-hmm. everyone would pull it up with their families and stuff. Um, and then we both watched Soul, which is why we are here today. Now, yeah. Eli, you are not a Pixar person. Not a Pixar person, not an animated film person. Okay, tell me tell me your reaction to this film. So understanding that, um, I I will say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to criticize this film as we talk about it. But yeah. I do want to make it clear. I do think everybody should watch it. Yeah. I think I'm not sure who this movie is for because I think it's way too complicated for children, but it's an animated film and I'm not sure that it's really for adults either. Maybe it's just for like families and you all settle into it somewhere. Um, but I think that it's 
it's hard to talk about this film without comparing it to Inside Out, which I think is like a perfect film, yeah. even from somebody who's not a Pixar person. It's hard to 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 not compare this movie to that. And this does feel like a very sloppy version of Inside Out to me. Uh, Yeah, I think very sloppy might not be totally fair, but it's it's a sloppier Inside Out. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. My kids liked it. Okay. They didn't laugh at the jokes. Okay. The jokes are for adults. Uh, Steve and I were the only ones who got the adults. It is interesting to make a Pixar movie about a middle-aged black man mm-hmm. uh, dealing with kind of a midlife crisis. Like, yeah. that's an interesting plot for children. And there aren't children in it. No. No, I think that the little souls in, like, the... It's not heaven. It's, like... Pre-mortal life. Sure. Mm-hmm. They're, like, little bouncy kind of appealing to children could maybe be children mm-hmm. but they're not children right. uh there's a cat, cat. <laughs> voiced by a middle-aged woman tina fey voiced by well no oh no that's right that's right voice i by, mean yeah. let's say we'll probably spoil this yeah. film because it's hard to talk about this film yeah without spoiling it but uh there's a mix-up and his body is sent after a near-death experience, he spends some time getting to know Tina Fey in this, like, emporium place where you're supposed to pick a personality. And then they sneak their way back onto Earth, but his body lands in a cat. And hers, she's never been to Earth because she can't pick a personality, mm-hmm. lands in his body. Mm-hmm. So she's experiencing life on Earth. Through his body. Through a black man's body. And now there has been some fair criticism of this movie that this is a movie about a black man, but mm-hmm. Tina Fey is, is voicing playing. a black man for it, a lot of it. And yeah. I think that's that's fair. Interesting. Uh, we do seem to have a hard time just making movies about black people and, without inserting white people Having black them. people be the part. Yeah. yeah. Like, why, what's our problem? Why can't we? I, I know early on there was a lot of concern because Pixar has not made films with a black protagonist. They yeah. just never have. And so they were finally doing it. And there was some concern early on that we weren't actually going to see much of the black man because he was going to die and then yeah. turn into a blue blob and just be in the pre-mortal life. Yeah. So everybody was like, well, what's it? And I think that they, I wonder if maybe they corrected that or if, if that was always the intention. But you do see a lot of him in the movie. But yeah, for a lot of it, he's voiced by Tina Fey. Yeah, I do think it's interesting that they go to like a barber shop in what's clearly a black neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, you don't, I've never seen that in something like a Pixar film before. And yeah. I thought the school he taught at was interesting all the students were diverse. The principal was a Latina woman. Uh, it was, clearly looked like an inner city school. I was like, oh, look, they're trying, you know. Yeah. The display of, of jazz music, which was really fun in the yeah. film. I know you're not a jazz fan, but I thought it was, I thought the jazz music was really cool in the movie. I mean, I can take jazz. The problem with jazz is a jazz concert is four hours long <laughs> of essentially the same song. They're just riffing on the same song. It's too long. It's, it's too, too, much, too jazz. much jazz. I can do it in like Pixar soul yeah. Yeah. snippets. So I, one thing, uh, speaking of the music uh, scenes, one thing that has been really interesting for me to kind of discover over the last several years in animated films, which I normally don't like very much, is I had a friend several years ago tell me it. You you can enjoy these a lot more if you look at new animated films and try and find details that you can tell they put a lot of time into. Mm-hmm. You know, how is the animation sort of progressing? How are we getting better at it? And uh, several years ago when the first Frozen movie came out, 
this friend, you know, was like, go to, go to Frozen. There are some really cool things to look for in the movie. For example, there's a scene in Frozen where there's a choir singing. And he said, if you w- look carefully, you can see that the chests of all of the different choir members are moving at different speeds and mm. to different you know lengths, whatever else, as they're breathing. They put so much detail into it that they wanted to make sure everybody in the choir was breathing like in a way that people in a choir would be breathing. And so I, you know, I went to Frozen and I, I watched that and it was like something I would have never just noticed. But I yeah. was like, oh, that is really cool that they put the effort into doing that. And so watching this, watching Soul, um, they, it, when they get to the first kind of music scene where he starts playing the jazz music, I was noticing that they have they're showing him play the piano keys. And it's like clear that they've gone to great lengths to actually have him playing the piano. Yeah. It would have been so easy for them to have like a lazier rendering where, you know, his fingers are just kind of hitting a white board or whatever, yeah. but the keys are defined and he's like actually pressing the keys. And and so I do think that the movie did a really, really good job at focusing on the detail of the animation. And I am impressed with that. I thought that was really cool. The animation in this is incredible. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where he's sitting in a diner and there's fog on the windows and it is mm. breathtaking. Yeah. There's also a lot of little Easter eggs. Um, Trent Reznor did the soundtrack and the, there's a hardware store in the movie and they're selling Nine Inch Nails because Trent Reznor is of Nine Inch Nails. Mm. So it's, it's clever. There's a lot of fun stuff like that. I, I don't have the same problem with animation as you do. Mm-hmm. It might be because I have kids and that's just my world. But I, I was very impressed by this animation. And I thought the way that they did the beings in the post, post-life post and pre-life places were interesting. They they looked like abstract yeah. figures, yeah. Uh, which I guess... What they essentially say is we're not people, we're like a construct, but that would never make sense to you. And so we have to appear as beings, but they don't want to appear as actual human beings because that would be too relatable. And so they're this weird like Picasso Mm -hmm. combination of shapes. It's actually really cute. It's cute. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Um, There's this. The way they represent going into the afterlife, they never go to the afterlife. That's mm-hmm. what's really interesting about this movie is it's kind of a movie about the afterlife, but you never go there. You just see like a conveyor belt heading into this giant ball of light. And that is spectacular yeah. to look at. That is a very cool yeah. visual. The, I, I think my probably my biggest complaint about the movie is I felt like it was way too complicated. I was just going to say it's overly complicated. It's the rules. There were so many rules about this existence that I was I had a hard time keeping track of them. And then about halfway through the movie, it felt like they discarded some of the rules. I was like, wait, why can they go to Earth now? Where are like just so many of those things that I was just like, it felt very unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like you're not creating this you're not creating Lord of the Rings. Like you don't need to create like this whole universe of like laws and rules and culture and whatever else. You're you're trying to con- you know, convey a pretty simple story, which is like how we find purpose in life and what that means. And so we don't really need all of these like weird, weird rules one after another. And so I was curious, this is why I didn't think it was really for children. Because I was like, I am barely following this. And maybe kids are better at following plots of these kinds of movies than I am. But how much do you think your kids understood the plot? So I, okay, I will say that I was with them in the beginning, and I think my kids were as well, where they kind of explained that you have to 
figure out what your spark is. You have to figure out what makes you come alive. And that's something that you do before you get to Earth. So they're kind of like going around looking at all these different things. I was like, okay, that's an easy enough rule to follow. Mm. But then it's like, that's what gives you an Earth badge. And you can't get to Earth without an Earth badge. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So they both managed to get to Earth and they have this experience. And I actually want to return to that because I think there's some very poignant moments in that experience. But then they have to go back to the pre-life. Mm-hmm. And then the rules get so complicated. Like Tina Fey can't get back to Earth without her Earth bad, but she needs an Earth bad, but she gives it to someone else. But then she becomes, she like goes wandering in the desert. And that's when and then, I was like, and then there's what? And then there's this other space where like lost souls go and you're, you become a lost soul if you do something on Earth. And you, it's so it's, sweaty. It, it's weird. Yeah. And it's just like, but why, why all of this? Yeah. Just make the movie shorter. No one cares. Like, <laughs> we know this is going to work out. It's a Pixar movie. Just make it work out. Like, mm-hmm. get rid of all this Earth bad stuff. Just let Tina Fey go to Earth. Let them both go to Earth. Nobody cares, you so, know? So, and I, I think, you know, maybe Inside Out is as complicated as this, and they just did a much better job walking you through it. Maybe, yeah. Because Inside Out is it, it, intricate. That, yeah. The world of Inside Out is extremely intricate. They're talking about the way things work and how, you know, different memories function and whatever else. But I never felt lost in that. Well, Inside Out feels like a perfect Tetris game where everything's just coming down you're filling in all the holes it makes sense there are parts of soul where it's like you accidentally put the l on top of a long piece (laughs) you know and you're like it should have gone down it should the little t should have fit in the hole but instead you've just clonked it onto here that is such a good explanation you know and it's like just not knock this part out we don't need this you could have ended the movie with like tina fey realizing life on earth is worth it but instead we have to go back to this place and go through all these weird steps to get her there Yeah. when nobody cares. Yeah. What I thought worked really well was the exploration of what it means to fulfill a dream, right? And that's kind of what the movie is about, is we all think that our life needs a purpose mm-hmm. um, when, in fact, living is the purpose. Mm-hmm. I think you could argue that the movie is saying just being alive mm-hmm. and having experiences is the purpose. Um, and there's... A moment when he's talking to this woman who he has wanted to work with his entire career and he finally gets the opportunity after this brush with death and she says welcome to the group and he doesn't feel the fulfillment we all think we'll feel Mm -hmm. if our dream is finally realized and he's telling her this and she says you know there's this tale a fish goes up to another fish and says, have you seen the ocean? And the fish says, well, you're in the ocean. He's like, no, I'm looking for the ocean. This is water, mm-hmm. which is uh, something I've heard before. It's in a really great graduation speech by David Foster Wallace, who I know has a complicated history and is a complicated person and is maybe not the role model we all previously thought he was. But he gives this speech, and it's worth looking up, where he talks about what life is really about. And it's called This is Water. And it's about the everyday. And it's about navigating relationships with people. And it's about just the small things that really make a difference. And I thought that was beautiful Mm. and poignant. And it really rung true to me. Mm. And then we, it just felt like I was crying in that part. I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. beautiful. And then it just got muddied, Mm -hmm. you know, with all this other complicated story stuff. Yeah when it didn't need to yeah you know yeah i i agree um 
I finished this movie. So there were parts of the movie like that uh, where I felt like, oh, okay, I really am enjoying the message that this is communicating. I think this is a poignant message because like who hasn't like wanted something very, very badly and then you finally get it and it's like feel a little empty. Oh, yeah. My my life isn't perfect still, you know, (laughs) have you seen sorry real quick the onion headline? Of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio finally winning the Oscar, and he whispers to himself, I feel nothing. I feel nothing. <laughs> I mean, it kind of, it, it, we, we joke about it, but it kind of does feel that way. Like, the things that have brought me the most happiness in life are not when my dream is realized. Right. It's like going home and making dinner with Skylar right. and, like, having a great evening. Like, those are the things that I get the most satisfaction right. out of my life. And so, I actually, during that scene when she's talking about that, I was like, oh, this is, like, a really cool deep point for a Pixar movie to be making, right. you know, and and the Tina Fey character kind of learning that as well, that, like, actually, it's okay to just go and experience and be, you know. But then when the movie, by the time the movie ended, like, all this other crap happens, and I, and I was lost in the rules again, and when the movie ended, I was just like, I don't really understand how that all worked. No. <laughs> like, that was the thought I was left you with. You don't need to, either. Yeah. Like, understanding it, like, in Inside Out, it's all... All the rules and stuff make sense because it's a story about growing up. You know, it's about what childhood means and sadness in childhood and how that's actually an essential part of life. Mm -hmm. Like it explores some really complicated things. The machinations of these people in her brain controlling these different centers Mm. while still a little sweaty served a purpose. Yeah. This like pre-world stuff having to get an earth badge served no purpose whatsoever and didn't make me contemplate anything in my own life yeah other than that would be super weird if that's what heaven is like you know i really want somebody to do a cut of this movie where they replace all of the pre-life scenes with saturday's warrior (laughs) just like the heaven fog dancers (laughs) that movie um all of this said I think we sound like we hated this movie. Oh my gosh. No, I just want Pixar to like yeah. the highest possible and, standard. And it's probably not fair that we're comparing it to, I think, one of the best movies of the last decade. If not beyond. Yeah. I mean, it's Inside Out was just like such a phenomenal film. And so you immediately start this. It has the same kind of rhythm and beats as Inside Out, and you cannot help it's but same compare it. Same director, too. Same director. Was it same writer, I think? Uh, I think Pete Doctor both directed it and helped write it maybe anyway you you cannot help yourself but compare it to inside out the moment it starts and maybe that's not fair um i i don't know i'm not super familiar with a lot of pixar movies i don't know where this stacks up against others um but i will say it's a good film i think people should watch it yeah just enjoy it for what it is the animation's incredible the story if you try to ignore the complicated overly complicated factors. The story is actually kind of cute and fun. And uh, just, yeah, have fun with it. Yeah. it's uh, We watched through the credits because they usually include something mm. at the end. And it was really interesting because it said, like, all of the animation was done in the Pixar studios and at the animators' homes while social distancing. So they yeah. did a lot of the post-production during 2020 having to do it from homes and i thought that was pretty wild and that would be really hard to not have that collaborative environment Mm -hmm. working on a movie no i liked it i liked it a lot it's just like comparing Mm -hmm. i don't know t-bone to familiar mignon you know like it's still very enjoyable and a very good movie i easily give it a b plus yeah yeah absolutely 
Um, I think we're going to do Citizen Kane next week. We talked about okay. doing it. Okay. You ready? I just, I need to just get myself to sit down and watch it. Yeah. You do. <laughs> Everybody watch Citizen Kane this week so we can talk about it. I mean, maybe you can break it up in chunks. I don't know. Okay. But we're going to talk about it. It's, you know what's funny? I don't even know what it's about. I have, I don't even know what genre of film it is. I know okay. nothing. I think that's the right way to go into it. Okay. Okay. We'll be back next week. Remember to leave us a good rating and review. Thank you so much for being with us. I know you're listening to this in the new year, but thank you. Honestly, recording Hive Mind in 2020 kept me going. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being a part of our community and chiming in on Twitter and making us feel like we could be with people when we couldn't be with people. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Bye.